Luke chapter 13, and we'll begin at verse 22. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, We ate and drank with you, and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. There will be weeping there, and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. People will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first, and first who will be last. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else, Herod wants to kill you. He replied, go and tell that fox, I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day, I will reach my goal. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. just about to start a new series about the invitation that Jesus offers to anyone. And uh, the, the next four Sundays, including this morning, take four different passages from Luke's gospel, where uh, Jesus is meeting people and teaching people as he travels to Jerusalem, where he's going to die on the cross. And the teaching here is all to do with the topic of eternal life. There couldn't be a more important and pressing uh, topic to consider in all of the Bible. In fact, the whole Bible is really about how to have eternal life. And in these uh, talks and chapters over the next four weeks, we'll be seeing um, what Jesus says about how we can have eternal life, who has eternal life, how to obtain eternal life. So there's lots here to feed on and to understand. I'm going to ask God to help us now with a short prayer. Let's pray. Father, please would you quieten our hearts and minds from distraction. Help us please to focus on the words of Jesus. Help us please to hear his challenge And please, would you, uh, whoever we are, whatever has been, 
whatever brings us here this morning, please would those things be set to the side so that we can hear the challenge and invitation of your son in these words. And please would you shake us from our complacency of thinking that everything is okay. Help us to please know that we can only have hope because of Jesus and if we know him for ourselves. Please help us to understand more of what that means for our sakes and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Are you going to heaven? Don't answer out loud. That is uh, the issue before us this morning. If I were to ask you in private or a friend was discussing with you, are you going to heaven? What would your answer be and why? I think it's fair to say that most people assume they are going to heaven. It's fairly unusual to get the answer that somebody says, I'm going to the other place, the other place that Jesus talks about in this passage. So I take it then that if we uh, were answering, um, even if maybe we don't believe in God and even if we don't believe the place exists, we would probably be thinking, we're still going to heaven. Um, the question then is, is, is why? Speaking to friends of mine over many years, I guess, often the answer is um, because I'm British and because I'm baptized. <laughs> because uh, I've, I come to church. I'm part of the church family. I grew up in church. For others, it would be to do with being a good person, by which they mean I'm better than most. It's the way that I live, it's how I live, and it's how I treat others. I try to live a good life, and because God, if God exists, is a good person as well, then I'm going to be okay. I'm a worthy candidate. Well, among the first hearers who were listening to Jesus uh, and all that he said, as is recorded here, as historical event from Luke, written down for us so that we can understand what's central to the Christian faith, amongst those first hearers, there would have been many who were confident that they were going to heaven. Prominent in that group would have been the Jewish people who thought that salvation would be automatic and guaranteed because of the privileges that God had extended to them in Old Testament times. They were, after all, his chosen people. They were born into this. They had the scriptures, they had the temple, they had the traditions. 
And Jesus is speaking directly to them. And did you spot what he said in verse 26? He said, Then to them he said, uh, sorry, verse 27, uh, sorry, verse 25, I don't know you or where you come from. You see, our passage helps us to focus on what Jesus says matters most. Did you spot it in verse 24? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. So our first point this morning is is taken straight from that verse. We must make every effort to enter because many think they will be saved but want. Many think they will be saved but want. So amongst those first hearers, the Jews would have considered themselves to have been saved because of all that I said when I got my notes out of order. They were confident because of all the privileges that were theirs. So Jesus is speaking to them and he's saying in verse 26, "Um, then you will say, we ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, the owner of the house, I don't know you or where you come from, away from me. And then further on, verse 28, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. Verse 30, there's going to be a reversal. There are those who, were, who are last who will be first, and those who are first will be last. And verse 34, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing Jesus speaks directly to the Jewish people of his day, to them, but also to everyone, to all people then and now. Many think they will be saved, but they won't. As I was working on getting ready for today, I asked for help for an illustration. I was struggling a bit. And... uh, Tom kindly came to my rescue with this headline. And uh, I don't know if you've, you've heard about this, but the headline goes in the, in the national paper. You'll hear the story in a minute. I was in tears. Britain with valid passport barred from flight over Brexit rules. Apparently, this is a thing now that we need to be aware of if we're flying or hoping to fly on a British passport. 
Travelers who have not used their passport for a while ought to check. Despite previous warnings, UK travelers trying to enter the Schengen zone, I had to check what that was, it's a whole load of European countries, not us anymore, because those with British passports are being turned away on a daily basis at the boarding gates, thinking they have a place in the flight only to be told they don't. Shut out, not able to enter. Well, take that as a public service. If you're planning to fly, check. But more than that, see how serious this warning is as we look back again at verse 28. Those who thought they would enter, who would be part of the feast, are shut out in a terrible place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's a place that Jesus calls hell. And the warning is one that he speaks with love. If we think that we are going to heaven, the question is, on what basis? We may be here this morning, we may have grown up in Christianity as part of a Christian family, baptized when we were little, attending Sunday school, having a confirmation, being baptized when we were older. We may call ourselves Christian, we may come regularly, we may even enjoy all that church has here at St. John's. We may even be prayers, devout, serious about God, just like the Jews that Jesus spoke to. And who he said, I don't know you. Jesus warns here, first of all, that many will try to enter and will not be able to. But Jesus wants us to know how to enter. He wants every single person here to be able to be confident about how to have eternal life. And that's what he teaches. That's why he's teaching. That's why he's answering the person's question in verse 23. Verse 23, someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? The question there is all about numbers, about space in heaven. Is salvation limited? But Jesus' whole answer is saying, no, people will be coming in. It's, it's not about numbers. There's other things you need to understand. And see how he turns a theological debate into a personal challenge to that person there and to us here this morning. And he says, make every effort to enter. It's not, will the saved be few? The question is that we should all be concerned about with is, will you be among the saved? On what basis then can we be saved? And this is our, our second point. Enter through the narrow door. Really just focusing in on that one verse, verse 24. If you, if you don't take anything else away 
this morning. Verse 24, enter through the narrow door. Where is this door, someone might ask? Jesus is talking about himself. He is the door. He is the way to be saved. Why is it narrow, someone might ask? Because salvation can only be on his terms. There's restrictions about being able to enter. As Jesus makes clear in these verses, it's about knowing him personally. Did you spot spot that again? It's repeated several times. When the master shuts the door and the people are outside objecting, Jesus says, verse 25, I don't know you or where you come from. Verse 27, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. They thought that proximity to Jesus, hearing his teaching, being around during his ministry, was a means of entering the kingdom. That it would count for something. And Jesus says, no, your place is with the evildoers. Is that not just cold and stark? It's a narrow door. But Jesus says to these people in verse 34, with love, I've longed to gather you together, yet you're not willing. I've longed to take you in, but you are not willing. To enter, we must enter each as individuals, one at a time, by yourself. I still remember so clearly going to uh, another special kingdom in Scotland as a boy, the kingdom of Hampden Park, where Scotland played football. And I remember coming to the gate, which was an old-fashioned turnstile, and it was such a squeeze, even as a young chap, to go in. This isn't a TFL gate where more than one person can get in at the same time and you feel someone coming in through behind you. This is a gate where you could only enter one at a time and as an individual. Jesus is saying here, entering into the kingdom of God is a personal choice. For young people here this morning, I want you to understand that you you need to come to Jesus for yourself. You need to make this decision for yourself. It's not automatic because of your family, because of your parents, because of your baptism, because you came to youth group here at St. John's. These things are not doors into the kingdom. Jesus is the only door. And for older people here this morning, all the rest of us, church is not a door into the kingdom. Just as going to McDonald's doesn't make you a cheeseburger. Thank you, Aaron, for that (laughs) joke. Coming to church does not make anyone a Christian. Jesus is the door. It's only because of Jesus that we can enter 
the kingdom. That's why he says again and again and again these three words in the Gospels. Come to me. It's not about how you've lived. It's not about how or what we've done. We can't go into the kingdom holding on to these things. We have to come to him empty-handed. And it's only his life and death that can save. He is the savior for sinners. That's why he says he must go to the cross. Why he must go to Jerusalem. Why he says at the end of our passage he won't be stopped. This is where he's heading. Verses 32 and 33, he is intent in going to Jerusalem and will not be diverted. He says, I must do this. Otherwise, there is no open door without him. And did you notice how the door is described as it will soon be shut? Because one day Jesus who died and rose again will return and time will have run out to enter. The rest of the New Testament makes it clear we just don't know when that is going to happen. It says it's the next thing he's going to do. But it describes it as being like a thief coming in the night. It's an expected but unexpected return. We're to expect it, but we don't know when. And so we have to feel the urgency of his words. And don't we love just putting off thinking about this? That there is something about the pace of life and world and the focus which is all about now. And we don't take time to think about eternity because life goes on and, and then something happens. Have you had this? Something happens where someone gets ill or dies and it stops us in our tracks. Or even more personally, we receive a phone call or some results from the doctor and it stops us in our tracks. But then somehow the busyness of life just sweeps in and takes us on from that moment. But Jesus is saying here, the door will soon be shut Time is running out. The opportunity is now, today, to respond. Maybe there's just one person here who feels this and understands this very clearly. Maybe there's lots. It's great that we are running the whole course, and I would love many people to sign up and go to that. But the truth is it might not happen. And I would be failing this morning if I said that that is going to happen. The, the emphasis of these verses is today and now. I, I would love for anyone to come and talk about these things afterwards. Don't go home without talking to someone if you're that person. Someone you came with. If you're a young person, to your parents. About what we need to understand. There is sadness, real sadness at the end of our verses. 
as Jesus thinks of Jerusalem. He said that some will come in. There is places. But some will be shut out. And don't we just see the love of Jesus that he keeps going to Jerusalem where he knows he will die. He knows that he must go. And when he speaks to Jerusalem and we have that incredible image of of wanting to gather up his people, his children, as a hen gathers chicks under his wings. The great compassion that we must feel and know God has for us if we belong to him. The people that Jesus spoke to sadly were not willing to accept him. It's a bit of a puzzle. The last verse, verse 35. Luke, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I think it's because their rejection of Jesus means God will abandon them until they repent and accept Jesus as the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus is their final chance. After all the prophets of the Old Testament, Jesus is now their final prophet that they must listen to. There's a warning to them and there's a warning here to us this morning and it's simply that we must not reject Jesus. These words must shake us from complacency. These words tell us how we start the Christian life, that we must come to Jesus, and time is running out to do that. But just a word as we finish to those who who would consider themselves clear already and trusting in Jesus. This is a warning for me and for all about complacency because these words tell us how the Christian life has to continue if we're not coming to Jesus daily then this is about us the Pharisees were thinking obviously we are the good guys there's a danger that that we can do the same continually Coming to Jesus doesn't mean that we we doubt our first profession of faith, but rather understanding what discipleship involves. The Christian life continues with us depending on Jesus day by day. It means we can never rest on our reputations as Christians. We need to keep coming to Jesus to be clear about our daily need today of him and that this passage would also shake us out of complacency concerning those around us who are without Jesus 
that we would be seeing afresh the urgency of their plight to pray for them and to, to grow in compassion for them, the compassion that Jesus has here. You know that moment on the plane when you actually get on the plane and you get all the instructions and they tell you if the oxygen mask drops down, what's the next line? Whose do you fit first? Your own. And then what do you do? You help others. That's a fitting summary. We have to make sure every effort that we enter and then that we help others enter. Let's pray. Make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Father, please, would you help us to know that uh, we must come to Jesus. We must do this in order to have certain hope, the certain hope of eternal life, to know that now and forever. Please would you help us and shake us from complacency that we would um, put our trust in Jesus and that we would uh, pray and be ready to speak that others would know that he is the only way to be saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.